all hits all the time. We are family. That's your double-digit case. We're busting ours. Kick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody, from the Mass and Newsroom. I am Bobby Blanco, now joined by Amy Jennings, who is always with me now on the Mass and All Access podcast. It's always fun to have Amy on the show. Uh, good back and forth going on. The trade deadline has come and gone, and the Nationals, of course, stood pat and not making any moves. We had Mark Zuckerman on last week to preview the trade deadline. We're going to have Byron Kerr on later in the show to kind of recap what happened and or didn't happen for the Nationals and where they go from here in this season that continues to feel like it's getting away from them. Um, and before that, Amy and I are going to kind of recap what the Nationals did not do, what that means um, what happened around the division, the league, um, and also how the Nationals can progress moving forward with the team that they decided to stick with. Mike Rizzo saying pretty much that he trusts his guys and David Martinez to get the job done moving forward. Amy, right. you were on Mass and All Access helping out Paul Mancano on Monday. You guys were going live on uh, Mass and Nationals' Facebook page, YouTube account, Twitter account, uh, right before the deadline, and then passed it. Um, first of all, what was that like? That was a fun show. Um, I love going live right before something happens and then kind of seeing all the reactions in, in real time. But then what was it also like when nothing happened? <laughs> no, yeah, it was fun. I wasn't surprised that the Nationals didn't do anything. I think that was kind of expected. But I also was like in the back of my mind, I was like five minutes to the deadline or like at, right after and they all start to trickle in. I'm like, our luck, it'll be somebody. It'll be somebody we don't really know really well. But no, that was really cool. Um, it feels like forever ago. I mean, like having the trade deadline on a Monday, it feels like, it's only Wednesday. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Crazy week, even though the Nationals didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, trade deadlines, I feel like, usually happen. I don't think we've had a trade deadline, at least since I've been working at Madison, like, on a weekend day, which is kind no. of weird. No, Um, It's always been, like, on a weekday, uh, which is good, because I don't want to work that kind of day, like, on a Saturday no. or Sunday. That'd be forever. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it was weird. And, you know, I think I was working behind – that wall right there at our station and 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 getting the show going, but also keeping an eye because, uh, you know, you guys are on camera. I don't know how, how quickly you guys were, like, focused on Twitter, Twitter or yep. you know, any of the news I was breaking. So I was just being ready to shout out, they got Lance Lynn or they got mm -hmm. somebody. Uh, of course, it didn't happen. And I think the, lo the later and later it got in the day, the more and more I thought either they're going to do nothing or they're going to do something very small mm -hmm. and not that significant. When you saw some of the guys that were in – there weren't a ton of rumors just because, you know, the Nationals pretty much, it was clear that they were going to sit pat. But, you know, you saw the guys that were on their list of potential relievers they were going to get, even potential starters they could get, and you kind of saw them trickle off the list as the day went on, and it kind of became more and more clear that they weren't going to do anything. Yeah, and then, we, of course, we saw winners from across the league. San Diego Padres stole the show this past weekend. They are all in. For this World they Series, got and, a team. and I mean, let's let's think, let's talk about that, Amy, because like it's that's something I don't I don't fault them for. I, I like take the Padres and the Nationals, two teams in very different situations. I don't fault either one of them for doing what they did. The Padres haven't made the postseason since I think it was two thousand six mm -hmm. or something like that. Like it's been over almost fifteen years or more since the Padres have made the postseason. You've got a star like Fernando Tatis Jr. You got Manny Machado. 
You've got some pretty solid starters. You need to add more to that starting rotation and bullpen to get the pitching staff up to where it needs to be in order to compete in October. I mean, it will be in October, but like it's expand. It's not gonna be in October that we've ever seen before. Um, so I don't really blame them for going all in. This is a year where anything can happen, and uh, and and we've seen in the past, like the Nationals run last year, like it could be anybody, even like a wild card team. It just all it takes is for someone to get hot. So the Padres have that "why not us" mentality, and I don't blame a team that has been losing for so long and is now starting to reap the benefits of their rebuild and seeing like, Hey, we can jump the gun uh, a year or so early because this season is so out of whack and anything can happen. Like, let's just go all in on this one and set ourselves up even for 2021 maybe, uh, and be good for moving forward. Whereas the nationals Mm -hmm. coming off a world series championship, they're saying like, Hey, we've, we got our ring. You know, we have a couple of injuries. We lost even Strasburg, Starling Castro for the season. You know, Mike uh, Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross opted out. Uh, our bullpen isn't exactly where it needs to be in terms of the back end with Sean Doolittle, although he's getting better. But we're good on just kind of standing pat, letting 2020, mm-hmm. you know, carry itself out, and then we'll regroup and refocus for 2021. Well, that's the thing. A 60-game season, anybody can be in it. And at this point, there's so many more teams in contention. And we knew that going in. And, you know, you kind of feel bad for the Padres because in the NL West, they always have to see the Dodgers. You know what I mean? They can build this team. And it's like the Dodgers are still there. You kind of feel bad for them. Um, But they're the exact kind of team that they're right in it. This could be their year. Say, why not? You know what I mean? Get the guys that you need and, and go after it. You know, the Nationals are obviously in a completely different situation and what they did or what they didn't do makes a whole lot more sense um, for the Nationals. Yeah. So let's get it. So on that note, talking about that a little more, I guess it was, and again, we'll hear from Byron Kerr later on the show and get on get of his gut reaction about what they did. But, you know, I guess if you're Mike Rizzo, I think it's twofold. It's either you see that there's no... Well, let's take, let's, let's take, take it like this. The Nationals always see themselves as buyers. Mike Rizzo's always said they are a competitive team. They're going to be competitive at the uh, major league level, and you can't blame them. They've been a contender since 2012. Um, so that's eight, going on eight years of being in the mix every single year. You're coming off a World Series championship. You don't I, – I know Mike Rizzo would never say this, but like <laughs> I'm going to say like you don't want to be the Red Sox. <laughs> you, know, you don't want right. to win a World Series and then have to start basically doing a rebuild two years later. Right. Um, so they see themselves as contenders year in and year out. If anything, I thought they were going to buy. I never thought they were going to sell off. Another part of that reason is because I don't know if they have the prospects to sell uh, and the teams would want to get back in a deal. They don't have the guys like a Lucas Giolito, a Dane Dunning, a Renato Lopez um, to or in order to pull off a blockbuster deal. And, of course, this year is different and only guys in the player pool can be traded. Mm-hmm. But some of those guys, like Jackson Rutledge and Kikavali, just got here here being Washington, you know, so they were just drafted. It feels like, I don't know if Mike Rizzo's ready to part with them or give up on them so well in order to maybe make the playoffs or maybe make the world, win the world series again in this truncated season. Well, in a year like this, in the position that they're in, it would make no sense to be a seller. You know what I mean? Why give up these guys this year when you could be use them, you know, in the future and, and already kind of somewhat depleted farm system and we'll get that into in a little bit but this year it absolutely didn't make sense to be sellers and the line on whether to be a buyer or not wasn't 
clear. Um, it kind of became clear when they went like two and five their last week leading up to the trade deadline. Um, but it definitely didn't make sense to be a seller. Um, I thought if anything, you know, they would go after pitching. Rizzo, it is clear that this organization is set on, you know, building a championship team around starting pitching. Um, so if he was going to go after it, that's what I imagine what he would go after. Um, but, you know, he decided, no, we're going to bite the bullet this year and we're going to could still make a run with what they have. It's possible. Um, you know, they can make up some ground with the series with the Phillies. You just never know. Um, but they decided to go with what they have. I also thought I was telling, too, because I, I remember asking Mark Zuckerman this last week, like, does this weekend impact what they do on Monday? And and he said, you know, it would have to take a drastic fall uh, for them to not hmm. to not play or to not to sell off, to sell right. off their prospects. And, and they end up losing two out of three to the Red Sox. And that's something, again, the, they're two years removed from a World Series, too, but Look at where that roster is right now. Their pitching is terrible. They have the worst pitching staff in all of baseball at the time the Nationals were playing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lineup wasn't entirely productive, but they won two out of three pretty easily out of, from the Nationals. And the only one they didn't win was when Max Scherzer was starting. And mm-hmm. so if that's the only games that you feel like you're competitive winning every five days, Max Scherzer, maybe Patrick Corbin, but we saw the Nationals kind of get blown out in his start last night. You know, it's like I think fans – I think it's fair to wonder. It's like, all right, well, then what are we really doing here? Um, and, and the Nationals had some pieces that, in terms of selling off and, and trying to get prospects back, they had some pieces that were reportedly inquired upon. And that was Howie Kendrick, Kurt Suzuki, um, and Astrubal Cabrera, guys that we saw contribute to this postseason run last year, veteran guys that are valuable. Other teams see value in them. But at the same time, what value are you getting back for them? Because they're all on expiring contracts. Well, and you know, the thing about all those guys is you need them. Like, yeah. You need them this year. There, there have been so many injuries of you know all around. You know, with Astrubal Cabrera out, who's going to play third base if Carter Key booms up and down? And mm-hmm. you know, you need another catcher. We need Kurt, Kurt Suzuki. So you know, those guys just weren't realistic, and that's another thing that goes into them. You know, the guys that they could sell weren't realistic to get prospects back, and. I mean, it's not just the Nationals that weren't willing to give up their prospects. Only one prospect on the top 100 list went at this trade deadline. So I think that's telling about the type of trade deadline this was, about the type of season that this was all around. It's not just the case for the Nationals. Yeah, majority of the uh, players I feel like we saw were players to be named later, uh, guys who are not part of their major league player pools, so they could not be named and traded right now. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, the only one top 100, obviously, that was in the – Padres deal uh, with the Mariners. So I guess now let's let's flip the page and where do the Nationals now go from here? It's now September. The calendar has turned. We're more than halfway through the season. September 2nd. They've got two more games in Philly then start a four-game series in Atlanta uh, with a doubleheader on Friday. Like you mentioned it earlier, they have an opportunity. They're not completely out of it. I mean, I think they're they're six games out, no, eight games out. I think in the, in the National League East, and six games out of the wild card. They're not totally out of it, but and we're gonna touch on the top of the of the lineup too, right here. But someone else has to step up because again, it's just right now. It seems like it's just Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin on a good day. He seemed good last night, not not good enough, but like okay enough to at least maybe get a win or keep the Nationals in it until that sixth inning when he got pulled. 
Um, and then Juan Soto and Trey Turner. Where else do the Nationals need to get production from in order to start pulling off, racking off wins, and getting back in this mix? Well, we kind of said this at the beginning of the season. They have to get their wins when they have Scherzer and they have Corbin on the mound. Obviously, Strauss was in that mix and not anymore. Um, but those are the games that you have to win. You know Austin Both isn't going to go late in games. You know Anibal Sanchez is struggling. So you have to win those games when you have your best guys on the mound. With that being said, you know, they need more run production from the bottom of their lineup. I mean, obviously we'll touch on Soto moving up in the lineup, but Soto and Turner can't do it all. Um, and, you know, if they're getting on base for you, you have to score runs. I mean, that's what it comes down to. But, you know, they're not even – when, you know, Corbin on a good day but and Scherzer, but other than that, you know, they're getting behind so early on in games. I think they've only held their opponent to less than five runs in like two of their last 10 games. So you put your lineup in a hole from the jump. It's kind of like, well, if you're not getting any production, you're definitely not getting any production now. Um, so that's, you know, yeah. you have to win those games when you have your best guy on the mound. You have so to help them out. Yeah, so this is from Tuesday from Mark Zuckerman. So this is every game after Max's start in Boston on Friday. The Nationals have trailed in the last four nights, four to nothing, five nothing, six nothing, and six nothing. You know, Eric Fetty goes out on Monday, and he goes six. That's the deepest he's gotten into a game this season, but he gave up six runs. And then Patrick Corbin, he, you know, kept the Phillies to only two runs, but his pitch got over 90 after five, and they had right. to pull him. Um, and then you bring in Kyle Finnegan, and he has his worst outing of the season, and that inflates to six. You get a misplay by Luis Garcia in the field. Uh, I know another prospect maybe that playing out of his element right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to say that Luis Garcia is going to be a great everyday baseball uh, major leaguer moving forward but right now it's just you know the starlin castro injury throws right. everything in flux and he's got to be the everyday second baseman because you know how he can't play second base anymore uh he has a pretty much locked in a designated hitter or first base uh and as grubo Cabrera is playing third with Keyboom down at the alternative site so they don't really have options mm -hmm. um to play the infield we'll see if brock holt maybe gets start throwing into the mix a little more and and he can play across the diamond infield or outfield he had some depth right there but you know he was let go by the brewers so it's like mm -hmm. you know how much more does left does he have in the tank and, and how much more production does he have so yeah the nationals are in a peculiar situation i think again they're not totally out of it it seems like they're out of it because they're so far we're not used to seeing this team in last place we're not used to seeing them trailing not just the phillies and Braves, but also the Mets and Marlins now. Um, and, you know, in, in the wild card standings, they're, I think, uh, what was that? I said six games out of the wild card, but there are six teams between them and those teams exactly. that are tied for the second wild card. So it's like they're the National League, I think 14 out of 15 teams are technically in it, with the Nationals being that 14th team. The only other team that's not in it is the, the Pirates. Mm -hmm. So um, I think they still have time. Time is. Quickly running out, it's though. It's ticking. Yeah. <laughs> and their schedule doesn't get any easier. You look at the wild card standings right now. Yeah, they're five games back. You got Philly, Miami, St. Louis. But before Philly, there are six other teams that are, are contending there. Right. You got Milwaukee. You've got um, uh, the Mets are above them. You look at the, the West, the Diamondbacks, the Giants are right there, too, now. Yep. So I think you've got it's just starting to slip away from them. And then you look at the schedule, it doesn't really get easier. We, we talked about Philly and Atlanta, but then you come home and you play the Rays, who are, in, are one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. They, are, they just beat up on the Yankees. Uh, and they're playing well. And 
um, and leading the American League East. Then they get the Braves again at home for four games. Then you get the Rays again for two games in Tampa Bay, and then the Marlins and the Phillies. I mean, it's just all these teams become must-win games. Right. If you don't play well early, you dig yourself in this hole that's going to be really difficult to dig out of. But let's talk about some changes in the lineup that Davey Martinez has made, moving Juan Soto up to that number two spot. What do you think about that? I think it's, I mean, so there's always been a, like, whole, this new wave of thinking in baseball, right, where you put your best hitter higher up in the lineup so they get more at-bats. That makes sense. But Davey Martinez, even dating back to Dusty Baker, really, even, has always had that mindset. Now I would say Davey is obviously a little more open-minded in terms of analytical numbers and say metrics like that. Mm -hmm. But they've always thought our best hitter right now is Juan Soto or even back to last year, Anthony Rendon. We want them at the plate with runners on base so they can score runs. They're driving in runs. That's why Anthony Rendon led the National League in RBIs last year. Um, Here's the thing, though. Trey Turner's getting on base. Adam Eaton wasn't. So when Adam Eaton's struggling, your only table setter is Trey Turner. Eaton's not getting on base. Then you've, I mean, Soto was up at three. I, don't, I guess Castro was hitting three for a while. He goes down. He, you're kind of, at that point, forced to bump Soto up to three. If it's just Turner getting on base, or if pitchers can even pitch around Turner to get to Eaton because he wasn't getting on base, then you scratch Eaton, you bump him down, you move Soto up. They, what they've been doing recently, especially Turner, has been amazing, fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're they're literally the best hitters in baseball. They had the best averages. They're one two in the in, yep. um, major leagues at three sixty eight and three fifty five, uh, Turner and Soto respectively. But no one else is hitting behind them. And a perfect example was Monday night. You know they got runs. Turner got on base. Soto hit two run home run twice. But there's no one else in the lineup producing. You know, you get maybe a surprise home run here and there from Michael A. Taylor like they did, but it's just not enough, especially when Eric Fetty gave up six runs over six innings. So it's just not all coming together. I like the move. I don't think Davey Martinez had an option at this point in terms of the injuries to the lineup, who they have available to them, and who else is not contributing. I think you need Turner. You need to get that mindset. We need Turner and Soto out to play as much as we can. Well, exactly. That's the thing. You want to get Juan Soto as many at-bats as you can. That's the first thing. But it was kind of an easy decision for Davey Martinez because Adam Eaton has the lowest on-base percentage in the lineup. I mean, how can you have him in the number two hole? And he hasn't had more than three hits in a series all season and has only nine walks. So he's not getting on-base. You can't have that guy hitting in your two hole. The decision's easy. Look at Juan Soto, the number two hitter in the league. You have to put him in that spot. It makes sense. Now, like you said, they get on base, the rest of the lineup isn't giving them any help. So, you know, that kind of, you know, maybe you move those guys down and try to move them down a little bit. But then who do you put in the leadoff spot? Yeah. I mean, Victor Robles was kind of an option early on, but, you know, now he's struggling. He's been sitting with fatigue and he's not ready for that spot. So who do you put in there? Um, So I think, you know, having this one-two punch is the best option, but... You know, Turner also isn't hitting with runners in scoring position like he was. Only 13 of his at-bats have come with runners in scoring position. Uh, 26 of Soto's at-bats, 26% of Soto's at-bats have come with runners in scoring position. But Probably mostly Turner. It, yeah, exactly. And he's only hit second in six games, so a lot of that could be, you know, when, when he was hitting in that three-year cleanup spot. So 
I guess that's kind of Davey's only option right now. I'm sure he'll play around with different stuff as the season goes on, try to manufacture as much as he can out of this lineup that he has. But that seems like the best option right now. Yeah, Astrid Cabrera has cooled off a lot. When we talked about how his first two weeks of the season were fantastic, especially batting from the right side. But he is cooled off. He's only hitting now 233 on the season. Um, he hasn't produced proven to be a, con- uh, a consistent bat for, for David Martinez to use. And then you mentioned Victor Robles. I think that's something that needs to be brought up more and talked about more because yeah, I think it gets overlooked. His defense is outstanding. He's got a good glove in his future. We can talk about that um, all night long. Mm-hmm. But it's his offense that's really struggling him. I, 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 I like the idea of giving him two days off because you don't really miss much in terms with uh, Michael A. Taylor taking his spot. Nothing defensively. Michael A. Taylor is just as good of a defender. And Offensively, they're pretty much producing at the same rate right now. Give Victor a day off or two and, and let him kind of reset because right now he's not hitting nine. It used to be that he was hitting ninth because Davey liked to use that kind of other leadoff man as a ninth hitter um, and then maybe even bat the pitcher eighth. That's not an option this year, of course, with the universal DH. Right. But now he's the ninth hitter because he's a ninth hitter. He's not getting on base. He's striking out too much. He's not hitting for average too well. He's barely hitting over 200, um, 237. So it's – Victor Robles, to me, also – I mean, there are plenty of other people to point the finger at. But I think Victor Robles, to me, is not producing offensively what we expected to him from a guy who was touted as one of their top prospects to ever come up through the system. Mm-hmm. Yes, the glove is there, but the offense needs to be there too – because, again, it's just Trey Turner. It's just Juan Soto. You can only count on Howie Kendrick so much. He doesn't play every day. Eric Thames has done little to nothing up to this point. He had a solid weekend in Boston, but, again, they lost two, so what does that really matter? Yep. Um, I think I look at Victor Robles as someone who's being overlooked at, I, again, I don't want to say point the blame on it, but it's like we need more production from him. Uh, and Dave Martinez mentioned getting him the days off is because his bat speed looks slow. He just looked kind of tired out there. Maybe a reset will get him more focused at the at the plate and, and have more production. You know, that's important for a manager to recognize, you know, get, sit him those two days, know that in a season at this position, you can give him those two days off. I mean, there's, you see with other teams, you know, you give guys these days off. It's like, do they really need a day off? But in this situation with where they are right now, with the way Victor Robles is playing, it makes sense. And hopefully it'll give him a chance to reset and, you know, help his lineup out a little bit yeah well we also talked about uh the, the upcoming schedule and you know they've got an abundance of uh nl east teams to face i think the only other opponent that they face is the rays from here on out mm-hmm. otherwise it's all division opponents and, and and you know back to the trade deadline everyone in this division made a deal except for the nationals even the braves traded for tommy malone to add to their rotation um so it, that was kind of telling as well to see where this division is standing, where the Nationals see, view themselves. Maybe they are kind of – they will never say this. Maybe they are kind of just being like, eh, we're good. We'll, 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 we'll focus on 2021. Um, and uh, But then you look at these other teams that have uh, top prospects that they were able to move – in mm-hmm. order to make trades and bring in deals. Um, and I wonder how much – of the Nationals' depleted farm system was a reason that the Nationals couldn't make a move. It's not, I, I'm sure Mike Rizzo tried, but was it a sense that they don't have prospects anymore that other teams wanted 
in, in order to make a deal. And I think that's why they couldn't pull the trigger on like a Lance Lynn or something like that because they just don't have the prospects right now. Or is it really just kind of an apathetic approach to the season where we're like, no, we're okay. We're gonna, just going to sit back. I think it's so hard to tell this year and with this trade deadline because only one prospect in the top 100 moved. Um, it's kind of hard to tell whether that was, you know, a problem with the Nationals farm system, whether they, you know, whether that was an issue or if that was just, you know, them saying this was it. It doesn't help when every other team in your division makes a move, you know, yeah. and you don't. Um, I, I don't think it's so much of their depleted farm system as it is just probably not probably doing just anything. wanting to sit back. Sit back. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of farm system, the MOB pipeline came out with their midseason rankings, and I think people will be surprised to see where the Nationals landed dead last, 30th out of 30. Um, I, I can't say that I'm surprised. I feel like we haven't, we, they, they've been continually slipping over the past couple of years. And look, they, a lot of those prospects that put the Nationals higher up in the rankings over the past couple of years are now gone. And they use as trade ships uh, that resulted in a World Series. You know, Adam Eaton wouldn't be, he had a huge October, especially in the World Series against the Astros. So, you know, did it, was it all worth it? Probably. Yeah, um, I mean, you think about the Doolittle trade, you think about, um, the, you know, it, and a lot of those guys are up with the team now. Yeah. They, you know, so it's hard to tell, but, you know, baseball has, it's become super cyclic. And a lot of these teams that rank last in the prospect rankings are teams that are coming off of World Series wins. You know, they've run one World Series over the last five years or the last decade, which makes sense. You know what I mean? These guys come up or you trade them and get pieces that are a part of your World Series win, and then your farm system's kind of depleted. So that kind of makes sense and fits into the cycle that baseball has kind of become. Uh, the Nationals stay on this track. They could have a much higher draft pick than maybe they anticipated um, if it goes as I know there's t different talks about how the draft is going to go, whether it's just going right. to be off of this season's record and all of that. But if, you know, they continue to lose, they could have a better draft pick than they intended and they can build this farm system right back up. Um, but it could, you know, they just, they're coming off of a World Series when a lot of those pieces they used to get guys back that were a big part of that World Series win. So it, it all kind of works out in the end as long as their farm system isn't depleted forever. And, you know, they get guys and build it back up before players like Juan Soto and Victor Robles and all of them are either done playing or leave or, you know, yeah. you want to have people to replace them. Yeah. Well, it should be interesting. I think moving forward, I think over the next couple of weeks, I think we'll know by Sunday whether or not the Nationals view themselves as contenders this season or not. I mean, we'll see what I think the end of this Philly series and then this Brave series will tell us for sure where they land. Uh, this season and whether they're actually going to end up going for it. Um, so be sure to stick with MassinSports.com and Masson Nationals on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter for all the latest news and updates. And, of course, catch all the games on Masson and Masson 2 throughout the regular season. Um, at Amy Jennings for Amy. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. Be sure to give us a tweet. You mentioned the cyclical nature of baseball. I kind of touched on that with Byron Kerr and asked him about how do the Nationals kind of – where do they go from here? Do they kind of just play out this season? Do they – go all in on 2021 or do they kind of sit back and maybe restock some of that farm system because Mike Rizzo does pride himself on being able to find young talent and develop it and have one of the better systems in all of baseball. Other people don't think so right now. Does Mike Rizzo kind of address that this offseason moving forward? I asked Byron Kerr that um, and he had some interesting answers. 
Now join on the Masson All Access podcast in a matching shirt as I am, uh, our Masson Nationals beat writer and minor league insider, Byron Kerr. Byron, we decided to go with the Navy Under Armour today, uh, polos, athletic polos. It's getting kind of humid out there. Yeah, it's a classic look. It looks looks sharp. Yeah, good good choice. Yeah, <laughs> I always like to wear blue. I think blue looks good on me, and, and it looks great on you too. So glad to see that we're, we're color-coordinated today. Sometimes people... <laughs> Are you got crossing patterns? It's just kind of a, a distraction for people watching on the YouTube and Massive Nationals Facebook page. So we synchronize colors, which is a good sign. Um, Byron, the trade deadline has come and gone. Uh, the Nationals obviously stood pat. They didn't make any moves. Uh, we haven't heard from Mike Rizzo just yet um, in terms of how that whole process went about and their thinking at the trade deadline. But what do you think about that decision to uh, not make any moves, not either buy or sell at the trade deadline at the team that is starting to struggle. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, obviously they have struggled even more since that date. They've continued into a, a losing streak here, but they were not in great straits. You're right on that day or that week leading up. And, you know, you could argue that they would need a starting pitcher. They would need maybe so uh, another reliever for the pen and, they would need some sort of power bat because they just haven't been able to generate as much as they maybe would have liked from numbers five through nine in the lineup uh, this season. But you look at Mike Rizzo and he talks so much about this season, you know, how it is for the scouts and how it's very difficult for them to actually do the proper way of scouting. So maybe that's part of what he's going through is that he didn't want to pull a trigger on a guy that he wasn't that completely comfortable with. And, from what we could see, you know, the Padres were big buyers out there and they were just grabbing everything that they could. But the Nationals you know, looked like they were much more conservative. And maybe the asking prices for guys like Lance Lynn out there were just too high for the Nationals to pull the trigger. And, you know, maybe there is a part of the organization that said it just wasn't worth it this year to try to go out and as you said, sell off maybe some of their prospects or sell off maybe some of the guys on the top 28 for a guy that would only help them for 20 or so games here at the end of the year. You know, you look when it's July 31st in the normal year, right? You've got August and September. Maybe they just thought it, uh, it wasn't worth it to mortgage the future right now for just a few games when, you know, maybe deep down inside they thought, oh, we're not having the greatest season anyway. It maybe it's just it's not uh, a smart thing for the future for 2021 when they have a Steven Strasburg back, when they have everybody at full strength to give, give up some guys right now for the short term. Yeah, I mean Jennings and I talked about later earlier on in the podcast about how this season is is weird in so many ways. But for the Nationals specifically, you coming off a World Championship, it makes it easier to kind of just do nothing and just let the season play out. You're only playing sixty games. What is the true validity of this season, anyways? Uh, I think there's always going to be an asterisk by a World Series champion, whoever makes the playoffs this year in expanded playoff format, anyway. So Mike Rizzo and company, I would think, would just say, "Yeah, let's look at 2021 and, and go forward from there." But Byron, like, what about the on the flip side of that coin? What about the idea of the Nationals had some pieces? We saw some reports that the teams were inquiring about guys like Asdrubal Cabrera, Kurt Suzuki. Uh, Howie Kendrick, guys on expiring contracts at the end of the season that could have helped a contender uh, chase that World Series this year. Is there any validity to that, or, 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 or what's the sense of thinking in terms of those guys could have been they they could have departed with and at least gotten something back, as opposed to maybe just letting them walk this off season? 
Yeah, that's a great question. You know, you would consider that catching would be something that Mike Rizzo is serious about going forward in 2021 and possibly having some changes at that spot. And, you know, as Jubal Cabrera and Kurt Suzuki, those guys have really helped them out in certain ways. And, of course, Howie Kendrick has been one of the more clutch hitters in baseball in huge games the last a few months of last year and and uh, and really can, can has demonstrated that he can still – hit for average and be a very, very important part of a lineup when nothing else is going right. Howie Kendrick seems to get a base hit, but it just, it seems like whatever that was being offered in return for those assets was just not enough for Rizzo to pull the trigger because, you know, we've seen him do a lot of different uh, changes over the years, trades, and he's willing to give up a lot to get something and he's willing to go deep into his, his farm system to do that. But uh, you know, it just, it was probably the guys that they were going to get back in those particular trades or cash or, or considerations for the future just wasn't enough to give up on the guys right now. And, and, you know, a few days ago, you know, they probably still thought that things were going to turn around and they still could make a miraculous uh, turnaround, but he values the guys that he has on, on this club right now and, and was willing to, to not give up any more pieces uh, at this juncture to look ahead to 2021. Yeah, there's no doubt that those couple of guys that were going to help the Nationals if they were to make a late run um, this postseason. They're, of course, find themselves in last place in the National League East. They're, uh, I think, six games back out of the wild card or five games back of the wild card standings right now. Um, so, And they have big games still against division rivals coming up this week, and they have a four-game series in Atlanta to continue. So, you know, if they could make up some – theoretically, they could make up ground over the next couple of days, but – uh, Byron, you know, a lot of fans are maybe seeing this as kind of a lost season, not just because they're losing, but again, the whole 60 games and the expanded playoffs, it's like kind of what does this all really matter? What's it worth anyways? Um, and then you look at trying to, for the, the approach of trying to buy, do the Nationals, and we're going to get into the farm system in a little bit, but do the Nationals just not have the prospects that they once had that were enticing enough for other teams to come after uh, in order to make a deal? Uh, say for like a Lance Lynn, they're like, okay, we can pick some of these guys out. And I know it's difficult this year too because we saw a lot of players to be named later. Guys in the player pools were the only ones allowed to be traded. Uh, other other prospects will be named later after the season that are a part of these deals. But do the Nationals maybe just not have those kind of uh, top prospects that other teams find interesting enough to make a deal? Yeah, I mean, that might be a part of it. It also might be a part of the fact that in their top 10, Bobby, those are a lot of the guys that, we've either seen already play this season or are going to get a chance here in the next year or two. And, you know, Mike Rizzo likes these guys so much. He invested so much time in picking these guys that he doesn't want to give up on them early. And you look at, you know, the, the big three, I call it uh, pitching wise, Jackson Rutledge, Cade Cavalli, Mason Denenberg. Those are all guys that I'm sure that other teams have asked for many times And Mike Rizzo said, no way, man, this is too early for me to, I just drafted, he probably feels like he just drafted these guys, especially the guys that had surgery and came back. He just drafted them. He does not want to give up on them right now. Seth Romero, another guy that we're going to see a lot of, he wants him to be a starting pitcher. He is not going to give up on these first round picks right now. They've had calls for Andre Lara and Eddie Yeen, who are a couple of uh, teenagers that I've heard uh, other teams have wanted the Nationals to trade for, and these are talented right-handed pitchers that are, are still a ways away right, from, from becoming uh, guys that you'll see in Major League Baseball. But again, 
from what I've heard in my sources, they've told me they don't want to give up on these guys and they don't want to trade these guys because they are valuable assets. You look at the top 10, Tim Kate, a guy that we've seen a lot of, Kate Cavalli, Will Crow, Carter Keboom, Luis Garcia. I mean, we, these are names we're very familiar with that are getting chances at the major league level. And so right now, you know, Mike Rizzo doesn't believe that the return was good enough to give up these guys in trades at this juncture. And, you know, that's a part of what they're trying to do. As you, as you said, they're trying to rebuild their, their farm system right now. That's a value that they need to build back up so that they have more trade pieces. So they have two of each of the guys that I just mentioned and can trade one of those two instead of giving up these prize assets right now. Right. And then also, we just saw the other day that they added Jeremy De La Rosa to the 60-man player pool, an 18-year-old uh, outfielder who had, can hit for average, can hit for uh, power, and also is a speedy defender out there. So we're seeing them bring up some of these younger guys into their player pool, at least to give them a taste of the major leagues. We don't know if we'll actually see some of them uh, actually play in live-action games later this season, but it's still interesting to see how Mike Rizzo is dabbling with his farm system. Speaking of which, Byron, you and I chatted about this last night. Uh, MLB Pipeline came out with their latest farm system rankings, mid-season rankings after the trade deadline. We've seen prospects moved around on Monday, and now we have firm uh, rankings, up-to-date rankings of teams' farm systems. I can't tell if I'm surprised or not. But the Nationals ranked 30th out of 30 teams, dead last in the major leagues in terms of farm system. How surprising or not is it for you? And what kind of a shock is this maybe to Mike Rizzo and his team, uh, um, a front office that prides themselves on being able to find and develop young talent and having a top 10, top 15 farm system year in and year out? If we had Mike Rizzo on right now, Bobby, he would not agree with being number 30 out of 30. He has told us on almost every Zoom call, how he believes that the, that uh, those prognosticators and those people that are scouting his scouting system are are uh, not giving credit where credit is due, and he thinks that the guys that he has in his system are better than number uh, better than even uh, number twenty five or number twenty one where they were recently. So yeah, number thirty I'm sure doesn't very sit very well with him. I mean, you mentioned some of those guys like a Jeremy De La Rosa, I hear a lot of good things about him on the farm system and to see him in the player pool. That's very interesting. Sterling Sharp is back in the player pool as well. So these are guys that we might see, you know, in the next few weeks, this will be very interesting to see if he brings some of these guys back up. Drew Mendoza, a Florida state third baseman, first baseman that I've uh, heard a lot of good things about. He's in the player pool. So we could see some, some of the guys and he can kind of put the, the proof in the pudding can these guys play at the top level? And that will get a, a lot of other scouts and the guys that make the list for MLB pipeline, pipeline up like Jim Callis. That might give them a little bit more attention to show that, hey, they, they can play at the top level and that the system is better than number 30 overall in Major League, Major League Baseball. Yeah, and once Carter Keebum graduates from being a prospect, the Nationals will no longer have any top 100 prospects across Major League Baseball, which is kind of shocking in of itself. But you mentioned some of those guys that could possibly uh, creep their way in, uh, i.e. Rutledge, Cavalli. Uh, maybe we'll get some preseason rankings of those guys later on. Byron, one more for you. Uh, what's the plan moving forward? You kind of touched on it just then. Uh, do the Nationals take some of these young guys and insert them in Major League games um, in September if the season continues to start slipping and they're falling deeper and deeper out of contention? Um, and do they kind of just maybe reset this offseason, 
uh, and, and go all in on 2021 again and uh, hopefully a normal season. They get a healthy Steven Strasburg back. Or do they kind of maybe take a step back, restock that farm system, and kind of continue to balance that we're going to be good at the major league level and competitive right now, but we're also going to have strong prospects in the wings and waiting in the farm system? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when you fall to 12 and 21, if you continue to lose here in the next week or so and not win some series, uh, not get some traction here, Bobby, then absolutely I would uh, not be surprised to see a Cade Cavalli uh, or a Jackson Rutledge or a Drew Mendoza or a Jeremy De La Rosa or a Sterling Sharp get some time up here and see what they can do, whether it's a start or whether it's a chance to be in the lineup a few games Absolutely. You know, you've only got a, a handful of games left here. We're already into the second month. We're way past uh, 30 games. So if you're not going to have the postseason, if, if they're not going to make it, you know, that could be an exciting moment for Nats fans for 2021 is giving these guys maybe a shot, maybe a taste of Major League Baseball. You know, it'd be interesting to go see how it affects their clocks as far as when they want to start that clock for Major League Baseball uh, in the in the coming months. But, you know, that's why he's got these 60 players in Fredericksburg. That's why he's got these 32 players in Fredericksburg is, you know, why not give them a chance if things are not going to go out? So, yeah, I think it could be an exciting moment here in the next few weeks. A lot of people think, oh, you know, you're just playing out the string. But wouldn't it be cool to see if a guy like Cade Cavalli with a chance at a major league start goes out and shows what he can do and is an instant success or shows that guys cannot swing at his stuff. That would be exciting for Nats fans. Yeah, I think Nats fans are starting to chirp a little bit too as the record gets worse and worse. They're maybe saying, well, at least show us some of the prospects that we have waiting coming up um, in the next couple of years in this season that seems to be getting away from them. Of course, you can follow the Nationals on MassInSports.com on Byron's blog. Give him a follow. He had some great stuff earlier this week. Uh, Juan Soto befriending uh, JT Real Muto with the Phillies. We know Juan Soto just loves the game of baseball. He's having there. He's having fun. So is JT Real Muto, and they have a good back and forth whenever the Nationals play the Phillies. Interesting nuggets there, i.e. Real Muto's a pending free agency coming up um, from Byron Kerr on, on the MassInSports.com blog and also at Masson Kerr on Twitter for the latest updates as well. Byron, thanks so much for the time. Next time, I'll we'll coordinate again. Maybe we'll go red for the next time. <laughs> yeah, red sounds good. Thanks so much, Bobby. Great to be with you guys again.